This episode of the Seabros Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Monahans Marine. We recently partnered with Monahans and are excited to be working with a local marine business that has been serving the South Shore of Massachusetts since 1961. For decades, the crew at Monahans has been helping generations of boat owners with outboard parts, boat service, marine equipment, and fishing tackle. Their professionalism and passion for being on the water has made them one of the most reputable boating headquarters in the Northeast. Monahans is located on Washington Street in Weymouth, and they are currently a Jones Brothers and Tidewater Boats retailer and have the most well-stocked inventory of Yamaha outboards, parts, and rigging in mass. The entire staff and crew of technicians have decades of experience, and as a recent addition, Monahans has built and rigged out a brand new 4,000 square foot offshore and inshore fishing tackle shop. They are fully stocked with everything needed for offshore canyon fishing, nearshore bluefin tuna fishing, striped bass fishing, and more. We're excited to be able to use this new space as a home base to maintain our own tackle and charter fishing fleet, as well as use it as a spot to film some upcoming podcasts and workshops. As a part of this partnership, Monahans has been generous enough to give all listeners a discount on anything in their store and facility. So when shopping at Monahans, if you use promo code MBG24 at checkout, you'll receive 10% off any purchase in their tackle or marine department. To learn more about Monahans Marine, their location, boat and engine inventory, or parts, visit monahansmarine.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mass Bay Guides. Mass Bay Guides is our family-run charter fishing fleet that's based out of Situate, Massachusetts. We've been providing anglers with the ultimate fishing adventure for over 20 years. Whether you're looking to put together a multi-boat corporate fishing trip, a trip for your family, or you're an avid angler looking to catch a giant bluefin tuna, our crew will do anything it takes to make sure you and your friends and your family have a great day on the water. To book a trip with us, please visit the Mass Bay Guides website, www.massbayguides.com. You can search prices, trip information, and get the latest reports and links to our social media pages there. You can also find us directly on Facebook and Instagram and just search Mass Bay Guides. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Black Oak LED Lighting. Black Oak LED manufactures high-quality LED lighting, at a reasonable price for the fishing, boating, hunting, and military communities. If you're looking to upgrade the lighting system on your boat, Black Oak LED provides many different options of marine-grade lighting, including cockpit spreader lights, LED light bars, undergunnel lights, and underwater lights. We've had Black Oak LED lighting on both of our boats for several seasons now with zero failure, zero issues. They're an essential tool for us to help ensure safe rides home, to and from our fishing grounds in low light and poor visibility conditions. And their series of marine spreader lights are also a great tool for getting bait fish to school around your boat in the dark. If you're re-rigging your boat or outfitting a new vessel, check out Black Oak LED for your lighting systems. Make sure to use the promo code GIANTBLUEFIN for 20% off your order. This episode is brought to you by Afuera Coffee Company. Afuera Coffee Company was started by and for people who not only love exploring the outdoors, but care deeply about restoring and preserving our environments and habitats so everyone can enjoy them for years to come. To help work towards this, they donate 5% of all sales to charities and organizations currently donating to Cappins for Clean Water. 
Everything done at Afuera has sustainability as the main focus, sourcing beans from certified Rainforest Alliance farms, using compostable coffee bags, mailers, stickers, packaging, and of course, donating a portion of sales, not just profits to protect Mother Nature. It is their dream that through many small decisions, such as choosing and brewing your go-to coffee, that we can all make a substantial difference in the health and cleanliness of our world. Afuera is doing it right and makes a tasty product. If you want to give Afuera Coffee a try, visit afueracoffee.com and use promo code MASSBAYGUIDES for 15% off your first order. On this episode of the podcast, we sit down once again with the one and the only old Greg, our father, charter captain, wizard, storm petrel, whatever you want to call him. Uh, we sit down for another session of questions submitted by you guys, our listeners, and um, it's on par with the with the rest of the OG episodes. A lot of laughs, off-color jokes, just a lot of fun, and a lot of good knowledge shared. So without further ado, please welcome to the podcast again, Captain OG, old Greg, Greg Sears. Welcome to the Seabros Fishing Podcast, where we follow three words of wisdom. You can't catch them if you don't have a hook in the water. Always trust your instincts. And the last, you'll just have to keep listening. Stay tight. Coming off or what? Get down. Don't get on that rock. How do we sound? Fantastic. Test, test one, two. Buckle my shoe. So we did an Instagram post asking people what they wanted to know about you. You're like I'm the cold. you're like the star. The star? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you're the, you're the Statistically you and... Um, Hold on a second. There's no introduction or anything. You here. already got introduced. Introduced? Yeah. You'll have your own introduction. You already you had your your introduction already. Right? Everyone knows who you are. Hello, everybody. I'm Greg Sears, <laughs> and you're not. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to figure out where we should start here. Do this. I think the first question is a good start off. Because I'm sure we all just had something for breakfast. You just had a donut. Boston cream. Boston cream. My favorite donut. I just took a shit. (laughs) (laughs) I have not heard these questions, so I can't. He is blind. I have no practice. Totally live here. So anything that comes out of my mouth, I apologize for it now. I'm not racist, but sometimes racist stuff comes out of my mouth. <laughs> I've been told I will be blocked if I mention any races. <laughs> You've probably had every single, not every single, but a, a lot of different races on the boat. There were a lot of races in the Olympics this year. <laughs> <laughs> Downhill race. Uh, All right. <clears throat> So we have one. Some of two, these are three, four, totally five, random. Six, seven, eight. They're all random, but 
have 12 questions for OG. Question one is, if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, probably the Drake's Cupcakes or Devil Dogs. <laughs> Maybe Twinkies. The thing is, though, I'd want peanut butter for my Twinkies. What is with the peanut butter on the Twinkies? When did that, that, weird when did that start? Is that a When I was like thing? 13, I had a, a, a <laughs> German, German Shepherd. Oh, my God. Uh, so just uh, randomly, he knocked my Twinkie into the peanut butter, and I started. Randomly? Yeah. <laughs> so I started putting peanut butter on my Twinkies. <laughs> <laughs> holy shit that question was from ben ben there's your answer twinkies with peanut butter twinkies i would have never butter. guessed that that's two items though i mean you can surprise they don't make peanut butter twinkies to tell you the truth they're that good huh? i need to try this they make it uh, sounds it sounds pretty wild they make funny bones they got peanut butter in them but they're covered with chocolate so they're kind of uh, the messed up part is we had a German Shepherd growing up. Yeah, I know. Now I'm like, you sure you wasn't 33 <laughs> and not 13? <laughs> like, was I there when that happened? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Um, moving on. Moving on. This one's from Anthony. What is the weirdest thing you've encountered on or near Stellwagen Bank? Excuse me. Uh, the weirdest thing. And if the, you don't know the answer, we can come back to stuff. Uh, I don't know. I've had so many pretty amazing things happen. I'm trying to think weird. Uh, there's been some really weird conversations on the boat. <laughs> you know? One guy asked randomly <laughs> out of, going off <laughs> randomly out of nowhere. He asked, they're having a conversation. He says, "You ever wonder what it'd be like to have a vagina <laughs> with a dick?" <laughs> and it's like, where are you coming from, buddy? <laughs> and how long has he been thinking about that? I don't know. It came out of nowhere. Like I got nervous. I went on the roof. <laughs> yeah. uh, what What about like aquatic encounters that? Like whale, I will, weird whale things. I have dolphins, I have, seals. I have a secondhand sharks story of yours that was pretty crazy. What about the swordfish with Bobby D? Yeah, that was a unique situation. We had a swordfish coming swimming down our shark shark slick. No, <laughs> and uh, uh, we didn't know what it was. We. Looking Soon at this a shark. fin coming down, thinking it's a shark, but it looked like a pointy stick. And uh, it's like, that's was weird. And both of me and Bobby D at the same time came up with, that looks like a swordfish. And we bumped the boat over, and lo and behold, it was like 450-pound swordfish just swimming on the surface. I threw a harpoon at it and missed it from like three feet away. <laughs> and... uh Luckily, we did, though, because when Bobby passed me the uh, harpoon, the outrigger was uh, 
they pass it through the outrigger lines. So it was like between so the halyard and the. It was right between all the outrigger lines. So <laughs> if it went off, it would have grabbed oh, the outrigger. Oh my line. god! <laughs> <laughs> uh, How big was the thing? You think? I'd say four hundred. Probably be a good guess. Thing was probably twelve feet long. Anyway, Jesus Christ! And uh, with the bill, I. Just barely scraped it with the harpoon when I threw it, and it took off like a bat out of hell. Was it like one of those August calm sharp yeah, days? Absolute flat calm, hot seaweed flies all over the boat. Mm. Sounds lovely. Yeah, but that was wild. But I don't know if that was the weirdest thing, though. You know, the uh, I'm, I'm thinking more of like the weird things that happen. <laughs> I well, know you like two, in the boat. There's like two <laughs> ends of the spectrum. There's like weird stuff with customers, and there's like weird interactions. Yeah, on the ocean with how about, how about fish um, and rails and stuff. Probably like the most common weird thing that everybody laughs at me about is uh, scrubbing the uh, mola molas with a scrub brush. Like, you stick a scrub brush in the water when they're near the boat, and they come over right up to it like they want to be scrubbed. You try scrubbing them, and they uh, they try, but they're, like, so buoyant, you push them away when you scrub them, so yeah. they have trouble staying next to the boat. They like their scars scrubbed. Yeah, that's actually some kind of a uh, fungusy thing that grows on them that looks like a scar. Interesting. The... Uh, I don't know what uh, it's called, but I know it's like it always looks like it's like a boat propeller scar or something. But huh. it's, most of those blotches you see are like a fungus they hmm. get on them. Interesting. Kind of, we get funguses like when we get old too. Yeah, you said your fungus is cut off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my barnacles. <laughs> your barnacles. That's what my granddaughter calls them. <laughs> Grandpa's got barnacles. That's a perfect, perfect name for it. Um, what's your least favorite thing about tuna fishing? Uh, I can think of a handful of things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, obviously, waiting for a tuna. Yeah. But yet that's anticipation, so it's really not still exciting. I'm excited the whole time waiting for the tuna to bite. Uh, when people don't listen to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that never happens. <laughs> cold, nasty, rough weather with a big tuna on. Uh, it's like hard in your throat, soaking wet, shivering, freezing. Your butthole's uh, puckered the whole yeah, time. Yeah, it's like, I've, you guys have heard me. You know, the famous words are, I'm all done with this fish. <laughs> I'm all done with this fucking shit, has been said many times. Yeah. And you go in the cabin and lock yourself in. Uh, He's like a cat. <laughs> he is. He is. Somehow, he doesn't get wet. I don't, I don't know. He's been wet a few times. The that South few Shore years. Tuna Tournament jacket is more waterproof than it than it leads on to be. I'll tell you that much. 
Those are good jackets, actually. They are. I got one hanging in there. And they, you guys all, because I still wear a BC High ski team jacket, but they're the same jacket, and they're like nicely lined. And mm. if we were, weren't so freaking cheap, that's that's what we'd get for us. But uh, yeah, they're a little bit too much money for haddock poop. No, you know. We paused this episode for a quick announcement for one of our good friends um, and fellow charter captains, Jesse Martello. Uh, Jesse's son, Jesse Jr., uh, was recently diagnosed with an aggressive form of leukemia called T-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And while the outlook for Jesse is optimistic, the battle is just beginning. Um, the doctor's initial prognosis indicates that Jesse Jr. is in for a fight that could last three years with chemotherapy and many hospital ver- visits during what should be the prime years of his youth. And um, Jesse's an avid fisherman. He mates regularly for his dad um, in their charter business, Think Big Charters, aboard their, aboard their boat, Necessary Expense. They fish from Connecticut, um, the Northeast Canyons. Uh, they tuna fish. They're, they're a part of um, our community, and, and they're great people. Um, Jesse Jr. also enjoys playing soccer, basketball, lacrosse. He races go-karts. Um, he skis. He snowmobiles. It's it's really sad that he has to deal with this um, at this point in his life. But we're here to support Jesse, and we're hoping that um, you all can take a moment and, and help support him as well. Uh, right now, Jesse's family faces uncertainty with medical costs and other financial burdens associated with treating this disease. And to help ease the burden, there's been a website that's been set up to help facilitate fundraising efforts and help aid Jesse Jr.'s family and the entire Martello family with expenses that they're going to face during this battle. So if you take a moment and visit thinkbigjesse.com, that's thinkbigjesse.com, starting on February 15th, there's going to be a series of raffles and auctions for some some really great um, items and some charters, um, pen and real easy custom rods. They're donating reels, rods, many other sponsors and supporters on there, um, many of which have sponsored and supported the podcast as well. And um, we just hope you take a moment to to go on the website and support and support a great cause for a great kid. So again, visit thinkbigjesse.com and uh, and feel free to donate and participate in any of the, the raffles and the um, the silent auctions. What do you want to ask? <laughs> Are you awake? <laughs> yeah, I'm like still battling this cold. Um, I kind of want to go off the uh, the weirdest things he's ever seen. Go back to it. What's the weirdest person that's ever come on the boat in the morning? <laughs> So for, uh, for, I say weirdest interaction in the morning. We're gonna that's take... actually kind of one of the questions. Is it? Yeah. Let's let's morph that into this question. So what's what's the worst reaction and the best reaction you've got from telling one of your jokes? <laughs> uh, you don't have to say the joke. Well, I'm. You know, anti-politicalist whatever you want to call it just 
do my own thing, say my own words. But uh, I always test people in the morning to try to see where I'm going. Where I'm going. So uh, I don't know. Probably uh, I'm going to call the worst reaction is someone who just wants to beat the dead horse to the, into the ground. You know, like one time I started talking religion with a Palestinian guy. And I'm not religious, but I just had questions. And then I had my answers to the questions. <laughs> and, uh, Dude, that was probably the worst job <laughs> of my life. Honestly. The guy, they were nice and everything. Nicest great, people. Great people, you know, but he, he's really trying to... He's trying to convert us. Pretty much telling me I was going to hell. Yep. And, uh, that was the most bizarre day. You know, so just I went there. with it. You're in you the know? bay. Yeah. And, uh, so you really think you're going to hell? <laughs> you're, in, you're in Wood End with live bluefish with with a nice group of Palestinians trying to basically make us super religious and tell us we still have some time. Well, to it wasn't really that life. they were trying to make us. It's because I, you know, they would ask some question about what religion we were or whatever, and uh, they were Muslim. Yeah, and I'm not. Like we never went to church much when I was a kid. When somebody died, or that was about it. And uh, I I asked what the difference between Muslim, Jewish, Christian, like what it really, what is the difference? Because I hear you guys believe in God or Allah or whatever, and the Jewish believe in God and Christians believe in God, and like what makes the difference to the point where people would have wars over it. And then that's a great question. <laughs> that was like that opened had, up a can of worms. Yeah, he had to that. explain everything about it, you know. Yeah, which was a good lesson. It was all like very normal conversation, but the grandfather was so super religious. He was getting like angry when he talked. <laughs> yeah, he was like trying to prove pissed. his point. Passionate, very passionate. Like, yeah, I don't even know if passionate. It, it was. He was like. Angry at life. <laughs> oh, and, and I was in the corner, like, just trying to keep my bluefish from not tangling. And then, You're angry at life and bluefish. <laughs> he's like, uh, he started asking me questions. Like, he, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? I'm like, I think we're going to get a bite in, like, the next 10 minutes. Like, <laughs> I don't think, I'm not thinking about all these other things right now, of like, making sure I go to heaven instead of hell. I'm like... I want this bluefish to get fucking smoked by a tuna right now so I, so I can go home. Exactly. <laughs> you know? But anyway, to that, back to that question, like the worst reaction is the reaction where someone just doesn't want to let, let it go, go. All, day, all day. Yeah. You know? I mean, I am who I am. I apologize for it. <laughs> but, you know, it's... Uh, like I said, I was nothing demeaning about what I was having a conversation with him about or anything. I was curious, you know. I meet so many people just get curious about it. So, uh, you know, I still tell religious jokes and everything. I remember that that you guys. Yeah, that was <laughs> awful. He pulled up. You're like, can I get a few bluefish? I'm like, can you take me with you? <laughs> I got to the point that, like, there's not many charters that I can't talk to, just about anything. And I got to the point that I I just couldn't even talk anymore. I'm like, I'm over it. I'm done. 
Yeah. You know, move, move along. That's tough. It's tough when you run out of things to say or the motivation to talk. The whole day was about the best reactions. Culture. I was worst reaction to out of the people that happens, you know. Yeah. We all have that shit in our life. We got freaking Christ freaking uh parking uh, I mean north not parking, but uh rage road rage, you know yeah. what I mean? Like people yeah. get road rage and instantaneously. But uh the best reactions are from like I'll crack some joke or uh you know, call somebody, you know, pick on somebody first thing in the morning. And then they like it, like they laugh and can take it. And then you find out sometime during the middle of the day that this person's a billionaire or like a bigwig in some giant company. And, you know, you're like, wow, you know, I just don't expect that. Yeah. Those kind of people can take that usually like snotty nose big wig people like yeah can't take any kind of jokes you know but uh so i always like it when someone who's down to earth that's uh you know has some special job or full of money or whatever you know yeah it's fun to be that pressure relief valve for those like senior leader type people in big big corporate america like all of a sudden they show up and you're Instantly cut them down to your level. Yeah, we don't Everyone's kiss anybody's insane. ass, no matter who they are. You know, <clears throat> anywhere, everywhere from the garbage guy to the vice premier of New Zealand. Yeah, you know the uh, everybody gets treated premier, the same. President, vice president. <laughs> no, they don't have a president. They have a premier or something like that. We're gonna have to Google this. Yeah, they it's do. Gonna be a side. Oh, look, uh, don't ask Google right now. <laughs> <laughs> OG is famous for the voice asking of of Google. Everything on yeah, his phone. It comes up. <laughs> that thing's smart as hell. It's going to take over the world. Yeah, yeah, legit. Speaking of which, does anybody know how to change the English accent off your, off your phone? On an Android. Uh, One of the nine Android users out there. Can you help out, OG? What, what, uh, what country was it again? New Zealand. New Zealand prime minister prime, prime minister, minister. that good. sounds premier president he was close he, <laughs> yeah. just, he just made it like you said his own word <laughs> yeah oh my god <clears throat> oh, let, me look, let me look at the other one i do look forward to the first ball busting joke of the morning though i'm usually not the person that says it because i'm way too high octane f- serious i feel like yeah but I always am waiting to hear what joke you're going to lead the day with and whether I, whether I'm like, this is good or this is going to be bad. <laughs> I like uh, usually like if you got something, if it's something obvious, I'll pick on you first thing in the morning. Like one time this guy had a big goiter on his neck and I was like, what's with the goiter? You know, <laughs> he was fun. <laughs> Couldn't look at him, but he was fun. <laughs> <laughs> and you have a guy with half mo, 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 mo. <laughs> How did Flip become Flip? Because he whacked. The, yeah, we were kids talking in the cabin. He's show no hair and he's flipping like about he's flipping his pangs out and, of and his talk And Flip starts talking and then he just goes like this. And my dad and I look at each other and we're like, what just happened? And everyone on and his whole group was like, "Did he just flip? Like, is, <laughs> like he just flipped nothing? He has, he has no hair, but he's trying to flip his hair. He's not like ball. He has short hair. Yeah, yeah. 
But yeah, he was trying to flip nothing. So his nickname is now Flip. Flip is the, uh, for those of you that follow Mass Bay Guides on Instagram, we posted a bite several weeks ago where he tells the bait to do its do fucking it. job. Yeah. And then he turns around, the down rod goes off. That's Flip. Yep. Oh, man. That's funny. Um, What got you into tuna fishing from Paul? <coughs> Excuse me. What got me into tuna fishing? Yeah. Tuna fishing specifically, because I think we talked about Started it. with uh, fishing for pumpkin seeds and white bass in the pond across the street from my house. And then probably the first saltwater fishing was, you know, with my grandfather and stuff. Uh, when I was younger, a couple of famous fishermen from around the area, Stu Apt and, uh, Bill, uh, Nolan used to fish for salty trout behind my house in the Creek. And I was probably like four or five I used to follow them around. They actually got me my first fishing rod. Cause other than that, we used, uh, hand lines, you know, spindle hand lines yeah yep <clears throat> and uh just got into fishing i think it's the anticipation it's like if you're a golfer you just keep trying until you get that hole in one you know mm. like, fishing is the same thing you know to get a get the big one or yeah you know so i mean I, even as like a little kid i go down the basement and make funky lures and tie flies and make spinners and things like that. And, uh, you know, it's just a graduation process to get into tuna fishing. Mm. You know, luckily we live in an area where uh, tuna fishing's one of the better places in the world to catch bluefin. And it's close. Yeah, and close to shore. And when I was at Teenager, I used to fish with uh, one of my father-in-law's buddies before he was my father-in-law, but uh, and we fished all hand line, caught a few fish. Then I went in the Coast Guard, and then when I got out of the Coast Guard, it was back here and uh, started fishing again. And kind of affordability levels got me back into tuna fishing. Mm. You know, and when we, you know, Taylor was young, you were young. When I was like really starting to get into it, other than going with other people, but started getting into it on my own when you guys were little. Mm -hmm. And uh, we started with hell, troll 113 around, you know. 113s graduated to the Black Beauties, 6 0 Senators. Which <laughs> I can't believe some of the fish we caught on those reels. I can't either. Like we were trolling 13 inch squid bars with yeah. 114. We had them spooled decently, though. They like braid on them and stuff. Crazy. But yeah, we, we started with uh, yard sale equipment. Yeah. I think a lot of people now are because of uh, internet and social media and everything are just able to jump into it like almost too fast i agree you know instead of like slowly morphing into tuna fishing and it is what it is you don't learn anything better than learning it for yourself either 
Yeah. As much as you can say that, you know, I learned something from somebody. Yeah, I've learned a bunch of things, but to put the whole package together, it's all about what I chose to learn and put the package together. So it also helps create kind of independence on the water too, like figuring it out on your, at least some right, things you on get your yelled own. Yelled at a few commercial guys. You yeah. gotta, you know, learn the respects, learn the tricks, learn you know the waters, the conditions. Uh, it's the as much as we'd like to be able to teach somebody in a one day class of you know but i i know we help by steering people in the right direction so they start thinking about some things that's why i said there's people that have taught me stuff mm. you know but it's like one thing here one thing there and then i put that package together you know i think that's observation yeah it's pe- people drive around out there absolutely clueless and blind you know where one of us is sitting on the roof all the time looking around Seeing what's around, you know, the, looking at all the signs. Yeah, looking for the animal life, and I got a I got a good one that can tie into this. Someone that's starting their first season tuna fishing. What's some advice? Some pointers for them starting their season. This episode is sponsored by Costa Del Mar. If you didn't know already, Costa makes some of the best fishing sunglasses on the market. They have a ton of frame options and offer a wide variety of lens colors. And their 580 color enhancing polarized lens technology is tried and true. We are big fans of their blue mirror lenses for our offshore fishing charters and their green mirror lenses for inshore. They've stepped up their game big time and they offer a great new line of performance fishing apparel. We've been wearing a lot of it the past few seasons on charters. We found that all of it's well-designed, comfortable, durable, quick drying. It can handle a beating. To check out Costa's great selection of sunglasses, apparel, and wide variety of other products, visit costadelmar.com. Uh, do your homework. It's really, like I said, there's not one point that I can tell you other than think about being prepared, you know, what, what you need to actually fish or otherwise don't spend the money on gear. You don't know if you need or not and spend it on doing a couple of charters and learn getting experience that way. You know, yeah, a lot of people do that, you know? Yeah, a lot of people spend a lot of money on stuff they don't need. Yep. Instead of spending money Uh, on trying to get the experience first. But if it's going to be your first season, be prepared. Make sure you know what permits you're involved with. I'll take that. Have all your paperwork. Distracting you. Making little weird noises. That's still something in there. All right, swig it up. Stroking my coffee. Trying to think of other things. Listen to this. Yeah. Listen, you know, listen to any fishing podcast or literally watch as much fishing stuff as you possibly can. And it's pretty much all relatable to tuna fishing. It's just a larger scale. 
Yeah. You know, I think being humble is probably one of the biggest things I would say is advice for your first year is uh, understand that you're not going to be most likely not going to be very successful your first year. Um, you know, you need to spend a lot of time in the water to kind of figure out like a pattern and what works for you and the people that are out there and, um, and to lose, to lose fish, fish and figure out what you're doing wrong. Yep. And you get to spend a bunch of money on things that you, at the end of the day, aren't going to need and vice versa. You're not going to spend money on the things that you, that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I think going, I think going into it thinking that you're just going to start tuna fishing and just catch a bunch of fish and be successful um, is kind of a dream, to be honest with you. It's unrealistic. I mean, it happens. Yeah. There's no, you'll definitely get bites and hook them, but it's, you know, landing them consistently and doing all the right things. That's where you'll, you know, you have to be humble to the fish, understand that. They're going to win, you know, probably close to 50% of the time. Not trying to discourage you, trying (laughs) to encourage you to go out and try whatever you want to try. Right. Whatever you got. Affordability is a lot. But just be safe doing it and uh, be conscientious of the guys that are out there already doing it, you know. Uh, It's like anything, you know, you're bass fishing on the pond and, you know, you don't come up 20 feet from another guy and start casting right in the same place that he's been fishing. Just that kind of respect. You know, there's a lot of guys that say to you, you know, commercial guys, recreational guys that'll come up and be like, you don't own the ocean. So they, you know, just don't want to respect the distance from you. You know, it's like, you're right. We don't own the ocean. So if you're going to persist to, sit here then i'm gonna have to go move you know so but that's the way they look at it for me for me personally because we've all been in this situation when someone says that to me and they're clearly in the wrong the thing that pisses me off the most about it is disrespecting the time that went into you being in that spot first like it's not even like the proximity to me, it's like I woke up two hours earlier than you. Of edu- you're talking for the day, right? You're, say- you're not talking about correct in general, like, correct? Like for the day, we, we're not fishing spots that people already are already have. Talking fish. about for the day, right? Yeah, for the day. yeah. Like to me, it's like I don't really care if you're close when you say something like that. It's like, yeah, that's frustrating to me. Yeah. <clears throat> um. What other new tuna fishing tips? Um, Charters, like Dad said, I think is really, really important, especially if you want to shorten the learning curve. Yeah. I think determining your goals, too. You know, a lot of people, they, they want to be able to catch a small fish and kill it, and they want to be able to sell a giant, and they, they want to just be able to do it all. But I think uh, if you take a step back and kind of concentrate on one uh, one thing to start for your first year, you know, are you going to get into, um, are you going to live bait fish right off the bat or do you want to troll right off the bat? Like to, to go out for the day and, and to try like 10 different things, you're most likely not going to be successful 
um, changing up a million times, but going out with like a game plan and going, okay, I'm going to, you know, live bait fish, um, you know, all day or all week or all summer and get good at that and then, you know, move on to something else. I think going out just with spreader bars and, and live bait leaders and 50s and 20s 50, like and all different size reels. It's the worst approach. Yeah. I think you're just uh, going to turn into a confusing mess. Yeah, I agree. And we start looking back at when we started, like we progressed that way. Yeah. But we, we were, it was also dependent on but you started with like striped bass striped bass you know uh-huh. fresh water to striped bass Got yourself to the point where you were really good at catching striped bass yeah and moved up to the next level and the next level at the time just happened to be small tunas because we had a lot of them around too yeah you know so you don't always get to pick and choose that because it depends on what we right. what we see in on the bank wherever you're fishing but uh Progressing size wise too, I think is important because you'll learn just as much about fighting a fifty inch fish as you will fighting a hundred inch fish, especially if you have your your tackle matched appropriately. Size to it, you know. Um, while we're on this topic, and we just talked about striped bass, what is your go to knot? I'm just gonna say, what is your go to knot? My go-to knot. Someone asked, what is your go-to knot for live lining striped bass? And what is your go-to knot for lures? It's probably the same thing. A uni knot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. We all like different knots, actually. You're you're a Palomar guy. I'm a Palomar guy. I'm an improved clinch knot guy. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much what I do is the improved clinch knot. Yeah. Um. Dropper loops we use yeah. a lot. The one, what's it called? Uh, Straight bass, I don't feel like. And you, you bend the line. Palomar? Pa- no. Line to line knot. Oh, oh Al- Albright? Albright. The Alberto yeah. knot, which is the one we use. Use the Albright the a lot. Albright. Like going leaders to <coughs> line. Wire to mono and yep. wire to Dacron backing for snapping wire. We don't use that many knots. No, I mean, for me, I use probably two for striper fishing. It's just mm-hmm. the improved clinch knot and the double Albright or Alberto knot going from braid to a leader. Mm-hmm. If you can't tie a good one, tie a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, I like snelling, too, when that comes to bass fishing. Yeah. You know, uh, we snell the hooks. I don't just anything that has a bent chain, a bent tie. Yeah, snell. snell. I can run through them. We use Palomars, we use Albertos, we use Uni to Unis for repairing braid, um, or in a pinch, you know, we get hung up in something and need to cut and retie. Um, regular Albright knot. We don't don't really use Bimini's all that much anymore. None of our no. tackle requires it, really. My true go-to knot, though, the question was go-to knot. When bass fishing, when things get hot, 
The go-to knot for me is when the May tied up and I grab that rod and fish that rod. <laughs> that was I was gonna lead into it with a joke like that. Like, do you even yeah. remember how to tie knots? <laughs> but he does. He whips them out like he's he been. He does. Doing he it. needs his magnifying glass. Yeah, he stuff. does need his magnifying glass. You know the dogs out. Yeah, Claire's with him. Um But we crimp a lot. Tuna fishing wise. Yeah, heavy anything above 80 pounds it's crimped mm-hmm. you know everything below that depends on how thick the line is and what i'm tying it for but generally those four or five knots will do everything for you my opinion it's the fastest strongest knot you can tie that you're what? comfortable tying mm-hmm. is what you should use yeah i mean bass don't granny. get that much pressure to no. double granny <laughs> Double granny with a half hitch. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Um, <laughs> I've seen squid bars like that. <laughs> I think uh, where knots come into play with bass fishing the most are uh, actually high current situations. So, like fishing the canal and um, fishing places that you have a ripping tide where you don't necessarily need the drag to stop the fish, but you just need the drag to actually reel the fish in in the yeah. current with the thing's mouth open i think that's where like that strength of knot matters but as far as like reeling in a striper you know they don't require much drag pressure at the end of the day so um i don't think there's one better it's all relative to the size tackle you use. yeah yeah um you want to go into oh we can ask the peter akins one What's the biggest bluefin that you've been a part of reeling in and the biggest bluefin that you've uh, capped in the boat for? Basically, your biggest tune that you can remember. Well, and any. Does that mean we got the fish? Yeah, we got the fish up alongside. (laughs) The biggest ones I've got away, every one of them. (laughs) How many fish? But uh, Canada, we had one we release that they estimated around 1200 pounds yep but i know how that goes when i tell my charters that's a 1200 pounder too (laughs) Uh, you know so i'm gonna say let's call it a thousand pounds that you've actually fought fought and caught yeah and then you've had a few heartbreakers one of them was last year and a lot of them too, like even the thousand pounders were like a thousand pounds, but we'd already like bled them and gutted them and things like that. Yeah. You know, like we're like 950 or whatever. Right. You know, so really don't know. But, yeah, you don't know what their full weight was. But I'm going to say that I lost one last year that right to the boat, I'm going to say was over, well over a thousand pounds, like 11, 1200 pounder easy. Yeah. And we got one up in in Canada one time that was Same alongside way. the boat. We could have killed it, no problem. Yeah. But, you know, to have the actual, actual. This episode is brought to you by Rodan Marine Systems. Technology in the marine industry seems to be improving at an exponential rate from year to year. And Rodan Marine is at the forefront of the GPS anchor and trolling motor industry. We've been running a Rodan GPS anchor on our 30-foot center console for a few seasons now, and it's been a game changer. With quick deployment, 
and the simple push of a button, you can anchor down on a spot and stay within a few feet of your target location without having to deal with a traditional anchor, 20 plus feet of heavy chain, 400 feet of anchor line, obviously depending on how your setup is, but it's just very, very convenient and accurate. The fishing applications for using a Rodan are really endless. We find it extremely useful for both our inshore striped bass fishing as well as our offshore tuna fishing. And the customer service and support at Rodan is amazing. They offer overnight shipping on parts and are available to troubleshoot any issues that you might have. We've put close to a thousand hours on our motor and have had next to no issues. Any problems or questions that we've had, the team at Rodan responded quickly and has had parts to us the next day. If you're interested in taking the next step on improving your boat's anchoring system and giving yourself an advantage when it comes to fishing, make sure you check out Rodan Marine Systems line of GPS anchors. Visit rodanmarine.com to check them out. Weight. Weight of it. Call it a G-bomb. Yeah, it has right. to be hung. We've released a few absolutely humongous fish, too. Yeah. yeah. You know, that you we know, just don't so, know. And then I've had fights with fish that never saw the damn thing and just know that it was... Too big. Yeah. Monsters, <laughs> too large. Yeah. <laughs> Uncatchable. Yeah. Um, One big one, one funny big one was the guapo fish yeah. when he got stuck he underneath the table. He told that story. He did tell that story. Taylor and I had a good show last year or the year before, just the two of us on a big one that took two dart baskets full of line. And then you break them off, too, on the rod? Yeah. Well, we he came up, up and did, like, the fish made a mistake, and, like, his back came out of the water, like, freaking 20 feet behind the boat, like, far. And for some reason, I just launched the harpoon and i stuck them like right in the dorsal fin and then uh i did like two pinwheels and i thought he was just gonna pinwheel up with the dart in him and then we pulled the hook and he took out like uh 450 feet of a 500 foot basket and then we were backing down on him with just the dart line and then we stuck him again and pretty much the thing was croaked at the boat but we fought him on two dart lines for a while. Maybe for some pinwheels and stuff. Because yeah, I was on. Uh, it was one of those ones that I really wish we got on film, and obviously we didn't. It's hard when you have two people. Oh, it took dude. us three hours catching it. Yeah. Then we had to get it in the boat, and it was like pretty much too big for just the two of us. No, that was. I don't remember what that one weighed, but it, it was. wasn't humongous. It was like seven seventy-five. Yeah, it was right around eight hundred pounds. Remember, talk, I talked to you guys the next day, and you both still sounded tired, dude. It was like <laughs> at one point the fish had the whole dart basket out, and I remember looking at him, and he was, and I fought the fish the whole time on the on the rod, and it was like two and a half hours on the rod, and. uh when we pulled the hook and it just has the whole dart basket out, he's like, just fucking stop it. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I'm holding like a good amount of pressure when I felt comfortable. What, what, what do you mean by that? And he's like, he's like, no, like double wrap it and stop it. We're either going to pull them or we're not. And I'm like, all right, freaking just double wrapped. I held and held and it just held the like, dart line, held the dart while line we back while up. we were backing up and I just didn't let him go. And I could just feel him kicking. And we were backing up like 
like like water like Marlon Jason yeah Sick. backing up holding the dart line and uh for some reason the fish decided to stay on the surface and just didn't go down we were out in like 200 feet of water off the east if we, we hooked up on the, the west side and went we to the got east the side second back. dart in it well it was black down and we were backing down like we were chasing a marlin yeah that's when we got the second one then we fought it for a while on that the lines all tangled up and I don't, I don't know. It was a blur. I blacked out. I think one of the baskets because it, it got a big knot in it or something. I don't remember that. That might have been another one. Well, we had the double darter at the end of the year last <laughs> that year. That was fucking nuts. We had a fish in the bay that ate and swam like... Honestly, the- we were on him. It was a 95-inch fish and he came up in like three minutes. Three minutes. And it was like, oh, God, it's a tuna. Yeah. I thought it was a shark. Fish is swimming next to the boat. Brian darted it like it went like through its Not forehead. Great. Went like through its forehead. Dumped the dart basket. Came up in like three minutes again. He threw the dart at it. Didn't have the dart attached to the line. The the pole attached to the, the pole. Line. So we lost the dart like a total schmeeb. But it was hilarious. The most miraculous thing in that whole fish was. I was like running around, like reorganizing the cockpit, and you and Bill were dealing with the two dart baskets. <clears throat> correct. Well, me. after we had them. Correct. After we had them, we're swimming yeah. them and stuff, or we're like, I was getting the swim hook ready to swim them. Yeah. Like we were dragging them backwards. And Bill and, and I, I turned were around, angling the basket. Yeah, and I turned around like within a minute, and what was absolute Dude, disaster. Like the, the whole back both the dart baskets were completely line. splayed out in the cockpit. And I did like a couple laps around the box, grabbing stuff. And I turn and look, and Bill and Taylor are sitting there, and everything is coiled in the basket. It never once got tangled. Yeah, we like wild. we kept up with it so good during the pinwheels, all three lines that it all went back in the in the baskets perfectly. I don't know. It was pretty funny. Um, you want to ask the um scary weather one or the- yeah? So other than the overboard Jeff Corwin story scariest weather scenarios you've experienced on the water either as a charter captain or in the coast guard uh would have to be the coast guard we got caught in a hurricane tsunami whatever you want to call it up in the bering sea well it depends on whether it's on the pacific the uh oh eastern side or western one, one side, side they the, call it one yeah. thing so anyway but it was a big hurricane I was on an icebreaker that was basically a round boat. And uh, they said that we were in 65-foot seas was the guess on the big seas that we were in. <laughs> Dude. 238-foot two, boat. So, you know, we were pretty much straight, close to straight up and down when you're going up on these waves. And then we lost our rudder broke. So the rudder was there, you know, it's welded onto a rudder shaft and the it's like a, one pipe inside another pipe welded together, but the welds broke. So the rudder was just like spinning on the shaft, picking it would whatever catch direction. a little bit and you could drive for a few minutes and all of a sudden it would swing off to the other side and then you wouldn't know which way to turn the wheel to get the rudder to like point in the right direction. Like it was way off with what the rudder indicator said. And we lost the crane off the boat, most of our electronics. And believe it or not, a Russian uh, 
factory fishing boat, you know, like trawler type boat. After the storm, it spit us out, uh, dragged us into Russian waters, and then the Navy uh, had to come out, and the Russian boat had to tow us out to the uh, border. It wouldn't let the Navy boat come in. But they, we were all at an abandoned ship with our life jackets on, on deck level, you know, like nobody was below decks other than engineers. Nobody was above decks other than... So you're all on, like, the weather deck, all yeah. main deck. Yeah. And uh, the only reason we didn't abandon ship was because uh, we would have died. The water so cold. It was the middle of winter. And uh, so, I, and I wasn't in control. So it's, oh, that's the worst. It, it's like, you know, pilot's telling you you're going to crash. <laughs> and you can't drive you a can't, plane. Yeah, you can't, <laughs> you can't go try and stop it. You know? That's awful. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but that was pretty crazy. They, uh, I don't remember if we were beyond 45 degrees quite a few times uh, on the roll. I think we were even like in maybe even the 60-degree level when it came with some of the rolls that we took. It took such a roll so big that the seats were on pipes, like – Sat over a pipe, like a bigger pipe over a smaller pipe, or like in the galley, mm. in the rec room and stuff. And we took a couple of rolls that all the seats slid off the pipes. Holy shit. You know, so, I mean, you're working on an upside down at that level, you know? Yeah. When you're on that deck, too, and you're having Maytags go on in the windows, Maytags, when you take a roll and the water comes up in the porthole, it looks like a Maytag washing machine. But uh, that was happening, and then we ended up that that ended up taking up probably eight months to a year of uh, the ship's time because we ended up in dry docks and Seattle for a long time, and you know probably a whole summer in Seattle and dry docks. And, uh, How did you get caught in it? Like you just not know it was coming, or you trying to go somewhere? It's one of those things, you know, you're like, you're out doing your job. We were, we used to chase around the flag, uh, crab fleet and, uh, you know, do boardings on generally foreign boats that were in our waters. But, you know, you're only way up in the top of the Bering Sea. You're very close to Russian border and American border. And uh, the storm came in and we only did like eight knots. So when the storm came in, the storm was actually blowing us, like sucking us into the storm and blowing us north. Wow. You know, so like we we lost a rudder. Mm-hmm. So we were basically just trying to <laughs> surf the waves or head to the waves any way you could, you know. Yeah. That's wild. But it just Do anything up. from going it was like, to and that It was shit. like three days, too. Like it would like no, there was no t- towing going on any way, anyhow, for like three days. Again, so they, th- that's why they had plenty of time to find us. Yeah, but the American ships were trying to. One of them was trying to catch up to us, and we crossed the border into uh, Russia. So they had to stop. You know, we weren't. We had no control, so we had to keep going. I'm sure the Russians were all freaked out because we were, they thought we were a spy ship anyway. Yeah. 
I didn't find that out till later. Like, uh, we all got unit accommodations for one of the patrols that we did. And we were like, what the hell did we do? And we found out that, like, they were using the ship to, like, intercept radio communications or something. Interesting. Well, now we're going to get invaded. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Putin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, there's two funny ones I'm saving for the end. How about how about on a charter boat? What's the uh, scariest? Probably with Jonathan on the boat that we have now. The customers were from New York. New, uh, <laughs> you drink gum right now. Yeah. That's <laughs> all right. Hell? Customers from George is gonna be like that motherfucker. <laughs> George is our video editor. <laughs> so the uh, customers were from New York, and they refused to believe that the weather was gonna be bad. So we did a look see in the morning. <laughs> I took them out to the bell, and it was like eight to tens at the bell. And they were like adamant that they could go out in this stuff. And I was like, if I push the throttle this way and we go, you're paying for the day. Let's go. And uh, that was pretty big, 15 to 20s. <laughs> and, uh, we actually get out to cod fishing and started fishing. And the guys, one of the guys, they were all seasick. One guy says, when do we go home? I go, when we catch our limit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Jonathan got thrown across the back deck sitting behind the wheelhouse up over the big square box and landed in the corner of the back of the boat. Really? Like almost got thrown like out of the boat. Jesus. That's too rough. That's too rough, yeah. I'm all set. Yeah. He was a pussy, he had a little friggin' bruise. On <laughs> uh, what's what are some of the funniest funny I'm just gonna say it, funniest dumbest questions that charter clients ask this episode is also brought to you by LT Marine products since 2011 LT Marine has been designing and developing innovative unique and high quality American made sport fishing equipment Taylor and I have known the crew at LT since they started. Chris is a great guy. Uh, we've been using every single piece of equipment um, that he's that he's made over the last several years. Um, his rod holders are extremely heavy duty and high quality. He has the machining equipment to be able to put your boat name on the face plates um, and do other custom work as well, which is pretty cool. Um, and recently over the last couple of years, we've worked with him to develop some new products that have actually been very popular amongst the, the Northeast, um, Northeast fishermen, specifically offshore and, uh, and tuna fishermen. So two of those products have been his, uh, his swim hook for if you're harvesting a big, big giant tuna, um, you know, you want to take care of that fish as, as best you can prior to bringing him on board. And part of that process is after the fight, swimming the fish, you know, for a certain amount of time, kind of depending on the health of the fish and, and how the fight went, but usually ends up being around an hour to get all the lactic acid out of the muscles and, 
and give a, a better product at the end of the day when we when we sell our when we sell our fish. So we helped him design a, an affordable swim hook to be able to tow the fish behind the boat at a low speed <clears throat> and and accomplish that goal. So um, that was a pretty cool product that we that we collaborated on. And another one is uh, the new LT Marine uh, release hook. We've been doing a lot of release fishing for giants uh, over the last couple of years with the way that the quota, the quota has been open and closed. So we've really had a need for a way to properly revive these fish and get them back into, uh, into good health upon release. So um, if you go on the LT Marine website, you can see the release hook there. Uh, you can also go on our Instagram, Facebook, and see how we have it rigged. But it's a it's a tool that we've implemented um, into our our process aboard our boats, and and it um, it makes releasing fish a lot safer for the crew, a lot better for the fish, and um, it's a really high quality product. Um, we used it all season, never had a problem, never broke it. So definitely check out that new that new release hook. Um, from LT, um, or if you want to see any of Chris's products, visit ltmarineproducts.com. Please make sure you use the promo code CBROS for 10% off your next order. Uh, one of my favorites, you know, this is just the way we're going. <laughs> you know, like as we're driving in that direction. <laughs> no. <laughs> I still love that one. Is this uh, the way we're going? No, I'm just temporarily going this way. All kinds of weird questions, though, sometimes. But that's just people trying to learn, you know? Yeah. You get people that, like, some of the most educated people have the most fucked up questions. <laughs> right? It's like where are their minds at, you know? Like, people that invented the modem and, you know, rocket science and yeah. all that. And, the, like, just random, you know, questions like, are we going to catch fish today? Or I love how they everyone parks their boat in the same direction. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> Coming in the harbor and the boats on the moorings were all pointed into the wind. And the lady says, oh, I love how the, everybody parks their boats in the same direction. <laughs> Like, yep, yeah, the harbor master makes them do that. <laughs> oh, God. We had a lady one time ask why the fish always swim the same direction under the boat. Yeah, because she's looking at the, the fish, fish finder, finder. <laughs> going by. And like, That's amazing. Is that the back of the boat or the front of the boat? It's on right down the middle. <laughs> <laughs> you know? oh. uh, and then, uh, I don't know. Had all kinds of like, I don't know. The noodle question is one of the, is not the noodle question. The, are you still excited to wake up in the morning? Yeah. Is, is, that's is, that's <laughs> a noodle answer. Not noodle answer. <laughs> noodle answer. <laughs> yeah. uh, one of my good Asian buddy friends, he asked that question like, do I still get excited up in the morning? To wake up and go fishing. Wake up and go fishing. And I was like, yeah, some, you know, don't you get excited to get up and go make noodles? <laughs> you know, I don't know what's so funny about that. 
Turns out he's a cook. Yeah, his response was, how do you know uh, I cook? <laughs> oh, it's funny. Uh, There's so many, it's just hard to, it's hard to uh, think of them all right now. We're really good at answering them politely, though. I like COVID because I got these neck breathers and like, like, hey, dude, freaking COVID six feet. <laughs> that means outside the cabin. So. <laughs> yeah. In some respects, it definitely helped. Tell you what, it's bad on the center console. It is. Because it's like so easy to just sit right next to the yeah, plus person running Everybody's the trying to hide behind a 24-inch <laughs> wide window. <laughs> The front seat, the forward seating with the bean bags, though, it's when it's legit. not like you yeah. know rainy, gnarly, keeps them at bay. Yeah, and it's actually very people rave about that. Yeah, you can see everything. But yeah, more more dumb questions. We appreciate them. <laughs> what are the ones from? Uh, what are the last two, Bry? Well, there's one more serious one than there's two funny ones that I have. Okay, the serious one is. And we've been, slash, you've been involved in fighting a few battles um, over this offseason, one regarding mackerel and some other stuff. But um, what's your opinion on the health of the bluefin tuna fishery right now? Uh, the fishing's been pretty consistent. I think, you know, there's been a lot of factors eliminated that... Uh, you know, as far as the types of fishing and stuff that was done that have helped a lot. But, uh, again, it, you know, I've seen it go through cycles many times. You know, in the last couple of years, we've had pretty much all big ones up here. So, you know, time will tell, like, whether these, like, medium-sized Chatham fish move up into further north this year. Or we'll see, you know what I mean? But... uh as far as I can see in the last, you know, 10 years, the giant fisheries gotten, you know, consistent. You know, you can now go out with the expectations of possibly getting a bite or, you know, it's like where, you know, we had a few summers, you know, 10 years ago when there were a lot of little ones here and, you know, you'd spend all summer trying to catch a couple big ones, you know. Or now it's pretty pretty consistent. So I'm going to say, yeah, the, at least in our area, the fishing's gotten better for in the long run. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah. And we're lucky enough to talk to a lot of people in different areas, and they're all seeing good results. They're all seeing so. good results and good fishing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hopefully they just stick to their normal migration paths and migrate at the ages that they normally did. And then, you know, we'll know. But, like, you know, again, we go through these spurts of a few years of small fish and no big fish. Uh, water has a lot to do with it. Uh, I think a lot of people are familiar with the uh, low oxygen saturation problems in certain parts of the world where it creates dead zones or areas where fish don't want to be really. It doesn't mean everything dies in it, but uh, we're starting to see those issues up here also. You know, it uh, comes from like 
pollution, algaes, things like that, that uh, cause low saturation of oxygen into the water and create these like pools. So, you know, hopefully things like that, they have an effect year to year and, you know, you just hope you don't have that red tide or anything like that going on or, mm. you know, it's... Uh, Uncontrol- controllable, but uncontrollable. Yeah. yeah all and, it takes is a few things like that to line up and everything changes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's... But it could be there's more bluefin tuna in the ocean than there ever was and some stupid thing like that affects it and makes it so it doesn't happen or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, but again, like the, I guess the question I've lately have seen pretty consistent fishing, and you know, uh, the best fishing I've ever experienced here. Yeah, for big ones, ones, giants, for big ones. It's been good. Mm. It's been tough for us better. to consistently catch small fish. You know, we'll go through weeks at a time of small fish, but not like it was early 2000s where it was just like pods after pods of small fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when the big fish aren't biting, you end up going trolling and covering more water and you end up catching more and you find out where they are and, you you know, same thing goes. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, you don't go out and catch big ones every day if you're not out there every day. You need to know what's going on, where everything's been moving to. It's going north or going south or east. You know, every day, you know, the fishing, if they only swim an average of five miles an hour, they could be 50 miles away from where they were yesterday, 10 hours ago. Um, have you ever, so another question we have, have you ever done the bucket trick? Or any, or do you recommend any other good fishing pranks? The bucket trick I've done a lot, especially with people that like fall asleep in the chair and we're trolling, and we'll do that. I've had guys like you tell them to look at the reel, don't look out, and I've had them reel the bucket literally right to the boat before they realize <laughs> that it's a bucket. That it's a bucket. <laughs> and then probably my other favorite one is popcorn surprise. Especially when there's a lot of like if we're bass fishing and this guy's running around casting and you know or the tuna fishing guys that run around casting at them and we'll uh, take a big go somewhere where the away from the fish if we know where the fish are and you know dump a couple bags of popcorn and get the seagulls going after the popcorn and quickly leave that area and watch all the. Uh, <laughs> Send a console guys go steaming up and start <laughs> casting and trying to catch popcorn. <laughs> we haven't done that a long time. Yeah, it's, it's been one of the funniest things ever was we were everybody was trolling at race point, and I'm looking in the water and I can see this braid line just like floating on top of the water. And we're like, what the hell is that? And it's like going along. I just thought someone had lost all their line and was floating there. And I forget who the mate was. Might have been Bobby D. Reaches over with a gaff to grab it so it doesn't tangle with us. And he grabs it, and then he's, like, pulling on it. And he realizes it's on a boat that's way up in front of us. Like, it's their trolling line. Like, I think they had just a hook on it. So 
we're freaking put a cleat on it, and I'd slow my boat down and pull on their line. <coughs> Excuse me. Congested. I've got COVID this week. Uh, we were pulling on the line, and they're seeing their rod, like, take off, and they got a fish, so they, they think they have a fish. The guy's in the fighting chair. It was a big sporty. He's in the fighting chair, and I kept backing up and slowing down and <laughs> speed up real quick, so he's reeling in deadline. And we're laughing our asses off. And then finally, Bobby takes a friggin' uh, a pogey, dead pogey, and puts it on the hook. And we when we got, like, close to the guy, so he throws that in the water. And the guy's like, ah. Oh. And he reels in and... As we're going by, he's got the pogey hanging from the fishing rod. And they're all, like, wondering, what the hell? Like, you could hear them all. Like, that was pretty funny. Uh, that's awesome. One time I was, we were shad fishing. And, it, like, three of us had been standing there for a while and had this little spot. And this guy comes down kind of late. And he gets, like, right near us, takes his first cast and hooks one. So I yell, I'm like, hey, buddy, what color you got on there? He wouldn't answer me. So this went on like twice, and he wouldn't wouldn't talk wouldn't talk to me. Wouldn't tell me what color he had on. Here he is coming in our little fishing pool and wouldn't friggin' say anything. So I waited for him to cast, and then I cast real quick over his line. I snag his line. I reel it in. And I go, oh, you're using pink. And the guy looks at me. He's like, did you really just do that? I was like, yeah, you ain't going to talk to me. I was fucking find out what color you're using, you know? Uh, he ended up being pretty funny anyway. He thought that was hilarious. It's a good icebreaker. One of my favorites slash the best execution of it was when you pull up alongside to say hi to somebody on the water tuna fishing. Oh, and then go. And you go, you're on, you're on, you're on. And getting all their necks to just snap. Oh, uh, yeah. Connor did that to us so bad. That I did it to Connor. Oh, no. Roof. We got Bob Cook bay, one day yeah. really Yeah, good. we did Bob Cook wicked bad. You know, his whole I thought crew, his neck like, broken half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and sometimes you are on when you pull up to somebody. Sometimes. Yeah, we had that happen with Alex this year. What was the time one time? Oh, when the kid cut his thumb off last year. Yeah. Not off, but he cut us thumb really bad. Yeah, cut bad. his tendon. They're backing up to us, and like they're grabbing the tip of the rod to fend off the boat, and all of a sudden the fish went on. So we went and caught the fish and dealt with the cut off thumb later. <laughs> <laughs> we actually were backing down on the fish, and he pulled up to our bow, and Bill jumped on. Bill jumped on. Yeah, yeah. that's badass. Yeah, it was you know another thing I love to get on film. Sucks, but it's badass. Yeah, but he's all healed up now. He had, I think, one or two, at least, at least one surgery. I think he may have had two surgeries fixing his thumb, cut a tendon. He's basically the had the fish tail wrapped, and he went went to hold the gill plate open and jab the fish's membrane to bleed oh, it, and, and put a serrated dexter right. Actually, it was a bubble blade oh, right between his two oh, fingers, dude, and cut his hand wide open. I mean, he had it wrapped up, and it was like. The tip of his finger was like black, purple. It's so bad. And I guess he was like a few hours from losing his finger. So, no bueno. That sucks. What's the worst injury you've had in the boat? Or had someone have, have in the boat? 
we got a pretty good track record. How about in the Coast Guard? Anybody get hurt? Uh, Knock on something. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think anything crazy. Last year, we had a near miss of Bill. He stepped on the... Uh, we were putting a fish in the boat, and he stepped on one of those orange handle meat hooks for sliding the fish around. Oh, God. And it went through his boot, and like... He he was like limping for a, a little while. Yeah, well, it was any sharper when it went right through his foot. Cut fingers and hooks stuck in people. <laughs> that guy that fell onto the gunnel and caught himself, and both of his pinkies were just like <laughs> 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 he literally like pushed himself back up, and I don't know how he must have landed like this, like missed the gunnel. Yeah, and both of his pinkies were like <laughs> sideways backward dislocated. Holy shit. And I think you just walked over and was just like, snap, snap. <laughs> He's just like, ah. Yeah, I think I did help him get him back into place. Galvin's fish, fish hatch yeah. story it's is fish brutal. Hatch slamming on his foot. Yeah, barefoot, like one of the, the in-deck holds with teak, you know, teak deck on top of it. Yeah. Shot on a guy's big toe. Oh. In a tournament, that was that was disgusting. That gave me the chills. We had that kid that uh, used to come up fishing from Rhode Island that stepped on the hook and went home with the hook still in his foot. Like, really? Was all proud of it all day. Had a big live bait tuna hook like right through the side of his foot. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That kid at the uh, he was in the North River Marina, wasn't he? Wasn't it Max? No, that was a. Uh, Situat Harbor. Someone got like a Jobu through their foot. This was like a squid, a squid bar hook bait. They went to like put it in the water, and as they were lifting, they stepped and literally stepped right on the hook bait, put a Jobu right through the center of his foot. Uh, Sounds uh, horrible. <laughs> we got one more question. Yep. Okay. From Henry and Paul. <clears throat> Is 20 bucks truly 20 bucks? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'll do anything for 20 bucks. 20 bucks is 20 bucks. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Bumper stickers. Yeah. Bumper stickers are another great prank. Yeah. We, yeah we're going to have to. We're going to have to. Put a bumper sticker on OG's truck while he was fishing for the day. And it said twenty bucks is twenty. Oh, it says no, it said, uh, I'm not gay, but twenty bucks is twenty bucks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and he drove around with it on the truck for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know, get closer to P Town and could be ten bucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's how long you've been out there for. <laughs> I still have never wondered what it'd be like to have a <laughs> with a dick. Dude. <laughs> uh, on that note, let's end it on your three words of fishing wisdom. My three words of fishing wisdom? Yeah. You can't catch them. You can't catch them without a hook in the water. Trust. Trust your own instincts. And the and rest. Stay the fuck away from me. <laughs> uh, stay tight, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Seabros Fishing Podcast. If you'd like more information on today's guest, products that we use, or other podcast partners, please check out the description for this episode on our website, 
seabrosfishing.com. For information on our tail and fish artwork commissions or to order our hats and other products, please check out our website or shoot us a message on Instagram. Make sure you check out our YouTube channel. Give it a like and subscribe. And finally, if you want to book a fishing charter with us on one of the Mass Bay Guides boats, please visit massbayguides.com and call the office to book a trip. We appreciate you all.